You know what's funny about that? Is every single one of those answers we actually took from a real family feud. So you know there's an uncle up there looking to win 20, 30K to go on a nice vacation, and it's come down to the last answer, and it's his stupid nephew over there, and he says, what follows pork? And the kid says, cupine, right? Pork cupine instead of like pork sandwich. Like you would want to strangle that kid, wouldn't you? Taking the chance that you have at $20,000 and throwing it away. Apparently not. I'm the only one. Okay. Because you guys are sitting here like, I don't see a problem with this. I'm good with that. You guys are good losers. I am a sore loser. See, that's the problem. Charity gets mad at me when we play games because there has been countless times that I have thrown Uno cards. Has anybody ever thrown some Uno cards? Everybody, anybody ever turned a table in a game of Monopoly? Come on. The worst game in the world, sorry, because you can gang up on somebody. And guess who people always gang up on? This guy right here. Has anybody ever had to come pray at the altar on Sunday morning after Saturday night family time? Or is it just me? Right? It's just me, apparently. I hate to lose. And I think that there's a lot of people that hate to lose. But I have good news for you today. Today, none of us have to lose. Every single one of us have victory through our Lord. We have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who never loses. He's a man who found victory time and time again, and he secured victory for you and for me. And what's the amazing thing about his victory that he secured is that he secured victory through defeat. That's what is so different about the gospel message and about Christianity is that Jesus secured victory through defeat. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus has victory. Turn to your other neighbor and say, through defeat. Now that sounds weird to us, and today we're going to kind of look at this just a little bit, how Jesus secured our victory through defeat. And I want to read to you a Bible passage that might be familiar to you, it might not be. We have a, a, a value that we have here at JFA is this, where the Word, where the Bible speaks, where the Word speaks, God speaks. And what that means is that this book is not my ideas, it's not your ideas, it's not a product of human culture, rather it's the Word of God that He has for our life. And through this Word, we get to see the character and the nature of God. And of his son, Jesus Christ. And we get an account of his life. And today we're going to be in John chapter number 10. And we're going to be reading about Jesus. And he is describing his role in our life to us. And John 10, starting in verse number one, here's what it says Truly, truly, I say to you. So Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people and he's, he's trying to get their attention. He says this He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and his sheep follow for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door to the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord and I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This is the charge that I received from the father. Now, this is a very encouraging and very beautiful passage of scripture where Jesus is speaking to us and he identifies himself in a very unique way. Jesus comes, he looks at the crowd and he's trying to explain his ministry to us. And he says, look, I want you to understand something. I am the good shepherd. I am a good shepherd. I am not, I am not a hired hand. I'm not somebody who, who is passing by and looks at the sheep. I am the good shepherd, the the one who loves the sheep, the one who takes care of the sheep, the one who defends the sheep and leads the sheep. Now, that's a, a very interesting way to portray yourself if you are the son of God. Shepherds don't really stand very high on the social structure, particularly in this day and age. They were people who were more towards the bottom of the social rung, except Jesus came to identify with the everyday man and woman. And he said, look, I am here among you to be your good shepherd. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus wants to be your good shepherd. He wants to be my good shepherd. Now, there are some implications to this in the room. If Jesus is the good shepherd, then what that must mean is that we are his sheep. Now, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. Has anybody ever worked with sheep? Right? Not smartest creatures in the world. Sometimes they do things like this. You might have seen this video. I love this video. Yeah, look, like, like that's us, right? We get stuck head first in a crevasse. I heard a guy say it this way in Seattle, crevasse. I think it's a crevice, but yeah, we're out. We're free, right? <laughs> Boom! Yeah. Okay. Let's watch that again. That was so fun. Play that again. That was so fun. We'll do that again. Right? This is us. Like, think about your life and how many times this has been you. I know this has been me. Right? The Lord has pulled me out. I run. I'm free. I'm excited. I jump for joy. Only to land back in the ditch. Right? So I don't know if Jesus is giving us a compliment when he calls us a sheep or if he, call, if he is insulting us. But here's the reality. Spiritually speaking, if you look over your life, we are that sheep. We have fallen into a ditch. Spiritually speaking, we are in one or two different situations in life. There's only one or two different places in which we could be. We are either under the care and the protection of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, or we are being harassed by wolves in the world. You have to understand something. Like that, that video, while it's funny, it illustrates something. We get stuck in the ditch and we're not going to get out under our own power. 
And so what Jesus is trying to get us to understand out of this passage is you are either under his care and his leading or the wolves are about to ravage you. The wolves are only here, Jesus said, for one reason, to steal, to kill and destroy you and everything and everyone that you love. And I suspect a lot of us in the room don't need to be told the specific wolves that can come after us because we've seen them and we experienced them. I also suspect that we don't like the idea of being called a sheep. One of the chief characteristics of sheep is that they do not have the ability to control their own outcome time and time again. They need someone to guard them and to watch over them. We don't like hearing that we need someone to watch us and to guard over us because a lot of us are proud people. We like to work for the things we have. We like to be self-sufficient. In fact, a lot of us, if we were honest, we are borderline preppers if we're not all the way preppers. Why? Because we want to be prepared to take care of ourselves. However, spiritually and emotionally speaking, we have to acknowledge something in this room. We have all made terrible decisions and terrible things have been done against us. And as such, we have fallen into the ditch. We have sinned and we've seen the consequences of those sins in our own life. We make mistakes and we pay the price for those mistakes. On the other hand, not all bad things that have happened to us have been self-inflicted. All of us have different times in life where the wolf has come, knocked on the door, and we have seen the effects of the wolf in our life. We have seen the damage that he makes. What wolves have circled in your life? What enemies have there been that have tried to steal from you, that have tried to kill you and tried to destroy you? There are a lot of wolves that are trying to devour the human culture today. The wolf of self-doubt. The wolf of disappointment in marriage and career. The wolf of pornography has been devastating. The wolf of sickness and disease, fear and anxiety, financial worries, sin and guilt. There's countless different wolves that have circled. Here's a big one that we don't like to talk about. Sometimes there is the wolf of religion that has come in and has ravaged different people and different groups and families. These are just some of the wolves that we could identify today. Now, here's the thing about a wolf. It doesn't seem that no matter how hard you try, it seems like he always is there and he's always attacking and you can't seem to get rid of them. Some of you have probably seen that there's a massive coyote infestation in a lot of parts of America. And it seems like no matter what they do to try to get rid of them, you can't seem to kill them enough. You can't seem to trap enough of them. There just seems to be more and more there all the time. And it's become a real problem in a pandemic in a large portion of our country. And that's the way it is for a lot of us. It doesn't seem no matter what we do, we put out one fire and then another one starts somewhere else. And so we run and put out that fire. And it seems like we can never catch up. The wolf is always swarming around us. However, the good news today is that the good shepherd has come. And what this passage reveals is that Jesus is different from every other person that we will encounter in life. Here's something I want you to think about in life. As you go through a normal course of the day, how many people are trying to sell you on something? You watch TV and there's commercials trying to get you to buy something. You drive down the road and you see billboards advertising trying to get you to buy something. They're always trying to seem to be taking from you in exchange. What Jesus is doing, though, is different. He's trying to convince people to let let him die for them. The wolf can only be defeated when the shepherd dies for the sheep. Think about the implication of that. He says over and over again, I lay down my life for the sheep. 
And what that shows us is that if we ever hope to have any sort of victory over the wolf, then we're going to have to allow, allow Christ's death to be sufficient for us. Victory only came through his defeat. Jesus is showing us his character and his calling as a shepherd. The question is, why would I want him to be a shepherd in my life? What makes him worth following? Well, I want to show you a few things. The first thing is this. Jesus gathers his sheep. Jesus said this in verse 1. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs over another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know what's amazing about a mom? Is how moms can distinguish the cries of their children. I don't know how many toddlers we have over next door this morning. I bet we have somewhere between 20 and 30 toddlers over there running around. And how many of you, if you've ever had a toddler, know that they're loud? right? Like they're all loud. And I bet if we go over there and we made every single one of them cry somehow, you know, I gave them suckers and took them away. That would be really mean, right? (laughs) They would all start crying all at one time, but you could blindfold every mama, stick them in the room. And I guarantee you, as soon as their child starts crying, they can distinguish their cry from every single other child crying. Now that's amazing to me. How can they do that? They can do that because they recognize the voice of their child. They recognize the cry of their child. And what Jesus is teaching us here is that the shepherd knows his sheep. He knows your cry. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're saying. And what he's saying in this passage is, I'm coming to gather you under my protection. There's a personal connection to the sheep. There's a personal knowing. There's there's also a personal knowing from the sheep towards the shepherd. And this should be comforting for us because Jesus knows what we need exactly when we need it and why we need it. He knows the conditions of his flocks at any moment of time. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number nine, verse 36. It says, and when he saw the crowd, speaking of Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Have you ever felt harassed and helpless in life? In that moment, Jesus had compassion on you. And we know this because of his lifestyle towards the people of his day. And we know that Jesus is the same yesterday, day, today, and forevermore. And so what that means is when we look at how Jesus responds to the people in his day, we know how he's responding to us today. Some of you have been through things in life and you've asked the question, does God care about the situation that I am in? We've had the bad report. The wolf has come. We've seen the effects and we've said, God, where are you? Is God paying attention? And what he's trying to tell us through this verse is that he cares enough for you to come die for you. He knows the condition you're in and he's trying to bring you and me into his flock. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I can't see God. You want me to trust in a God who I cannot see? How can I trust in this God? Notice what Jesus says, though. He doesn't say that the sheep followed the shepherd because they saw the shepherd. The sheep followed the shepherd because they heard the shepherd's voice. Sight has no value for us when it comes to faith. There's the voice of God through his word, through his Holy Spirit convicting our hearts, 
through how he speaks to our hearts. His voice is what matters. The sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. Now, some of you might be sitting here saying, okay, now hang on a second. So you're saying God can talk to you. Yes, I am. God talks to us through his word. Remember where his word speaks, God speaks. This is God's word to us. But God also does more than that because it says that his Holy Spirit draws us to the Father. There have been times in life where we've been sitting perhaps in a church service where we've been going through life and we felt those butterflies inside of our heart and our stomach and we say, man, I feel something. Something's different about this. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit working on your heart trying to bring you under the care and protection of the good shepherd. So we see first that the shepherd gathers the sheep. The second, Jesus guards the sheep. Verse 7, he says this. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus saying, not only am I the shepherd, but I'm also the door. Now, there's some confusion as to what that means. I saw something that I think is pretty interesting that would make a lot of sense. What is Jesus trying to say when he says he's a door? Is he, is he saying, I'm like a, a piece of wood? You know, what's he saying? Well, from what I understand is that there would be shepherds would come and they would set up corrals and pens out of just different things that they would have. And the shepherd would lay down at night in front of the opening to that pen so that if his sheep tried to come in, out, he would know and he'd be able to keep them in the flock. And if, uh, if a, a wolf or some sort of a predator tried to come in, they would have to go over the shepherd to get in there. And so what Jesus is saying, I am the door, I'm your protector, I'm your God, I'm the one that is guarding you. Jesus is basically looking at the, at the wolf, he's looking at the devil and saying, you're not going to hurt these sheep of mine, because you're going to have to get past me. And buddy, you're not big enough to do it. Jesus is offering to be our door, and what that must mean is we need a door. We need protection in our life. The reality is, spiritually speaking, is that danger is all around us. Jesus warns us that thieves and robbers are coming for the sheep. However, thieves and robbers are denied access because the shepherd is there and the door is closed to the sheep. You can sleep at night in peace. If you've ever been in a place that was dangerous, you know how hard it is to sleep. It's very difficult to close your eyes and to sleep. And some of us, we have been having a very difficult time sleeping at night because there's been thoughts and worries going through our mind over and over and over and over again. Can we bring protection to our own life? Is everything going to be okay? These are questions that, and thoughts that we have rolling through our mind. But I want you to know, you have a shepherd who is the door that's going to protect you. Now, Jesus' terminology is kind of interesting here. He keeps calling the wolf a thief. And then he says he's going to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, most thieves are murderers. So what's going on here? He's speaking of a thief that would, that would steal a sheep, slaughter the sheep in order to take the, the sheep's wool, to take all the stuff that he could sell. In other words, the thief is trying to consume the sheep for its own purposes. And here's the thing we need to understand. Thieves are sneaky in our own lives. And there's a lot of things that are robbing us, that are killing our joy, that are killing our spirit. There's a lot of things that are killing us emotionally, and life is stealing from us, and it's sucking our life. You need to know the wolf is coming to steal your joy by consuming you in bitterness. 
You need to know that the the wolf is coming to steal your marriage by consuming you in selfishness. You need to know that the wolf is coming to steal your productivity by, by consuming you with greed. The list could go on and on all day. However, Christ is saying, I am the door, and the thief is not going to steal you. How does believing in Jesus keep the thief from stealing from us? Because when we are in Christ, his spirit dwells in us, and we have his word at the fingertips. When the enemy tries to consume you with bitterness, you say, no, 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 God's word says that my God is my avenger. When the enemy tries to steal your joy and your peace, you remember that Christ holds your future, and that gives you comfort. When the enemy tries to steal your security, you remember that God is your provision. When you rest in Christ, knowing that he is always there for you. As encouraging as it is, it gets better and better than this. Jesus says this, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and find pasture. Anyone and everyone is welcome to the flock of Christ. There's a misconception that Christianity is very restrictive in nature. Many people believe that living the Christian life means that there's so much restriction, there's no joy or no fun. But that's not what we see inside of this verse. Jesus says that the sheep will come in and out and find pasture. What does that mean? Yes, there is a moral standard. Yes, there is a, there is a calling that God has called us to. Yes, there is a repentance of the old way of life and coming to a new way of life. But here's the thing you need to understand. Jesus desires for his sheep to come in and out and find pasture. And what that means for you and for me is that God intends for life to become alive to us. Where the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus came that we could have life and have it to the full. Have you ever been driving down a pasture or buy a pasture, you see all the cows out there on a nice sunny day just sitting down chewing the cud, and you're like, man, I could be a cow today. Or is that just me? You know what I'm saying? Like, like what do they have to worry about? As long as nobody's around that's hungry, like, they have it pretty easy, you know? There's pasture. It looks peaceful. Maybe perhaps a little creek is running by there. They get up and get a drink whenever they want. It's peaceful. And what Jesus wants for us is to come in and out and find peace in life. He doesn't want to restrict your life. He wants to make life come alive for you. So first, Jesus gathers his sheep. Second, he guards his sheep. And I want to close with this if the worship team wants to come back. Third, Jesus gives his sheep life. Jesus gives his sheep life. Verse 10 says, the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand is not the shepherd. He does not own the sheep, and he sees the wolf coming, leaves, and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice that Jesus says, a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's crazy how passionate some pet owners are. Do we have any, like, just passionate pet owners in the room? I mean, like, you, you do anything? Yeah, there's, there's lots of you. My mom is one of those people. Very passionate pet owner. Sometimes I think the pets had it better than we did, right? You know what I mean? Like, dogs getting fed first, you know what I'm saying? The dog is going to eat first. I was reading that you can give a kidney transplant 
to your cat for $30,000. You know what else you can get for $30,000? A car and five new cats, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's insane to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm out on that. <laughs> That's not something I'm going to invest in. That's crazy to me. But it's not crazy to somebody like my mom. My mom loves animals, cares for animals the whole time. I remember those many nights she would stay up with, she had horses, lots of horses. And they would get colicky, and if you know anything about that, you can't let them lay down because they'll just die. So you got to keep them up and walking and drinking as much as you can get inside of them. So all night, just up walking horses. Why? I would have let the horse die. Because I don't care. She did. Now here's the point. I am like the wolf in that context. I look at the horse and say, I don't care. Let it die. We make glue out of it or something. Sell it. That's terrible. Man, I'm going to be hated for this sermon's over. Let's go back to making fun of cats. That seemed like that, that, seemed like that resonated better with the groom. <laughs> Trying to make a point. But for my mom, whatever it took, she was going to keep that horse walking. As many nights she saved that horse's life. Now, pet owners care for their pets. And I know there's a lot of you in this room, you have, you have an animal that you love and you hear $30,000, we'll mortgage the house to pay for the kidney transplant if that's what it takes. But if I came to you and I said, you need to die for that dog or that cat, I doubt there's one of us in this room that would exchange our life for that animal. Why? Why would we not do that? Because we understand that there's more value in our life than in theirs. We wouldn't make that exchange. We're definitely not going to do it for livestock. A lot of ranchers in the room. The interesting thing about ranchers is how much they love their cattle. They have to love them for all the work that goes into them. But I've never met a rancher who says, you know what? This is my prize bull. Take me instead of the bull. Why? Because that's livestock. It has a purpose. Now, when you read this, and it says that we're the sheep, sometimes we assume that we're in that same category. See, we, we apply this the same way that we would think about livestock. But Jesus keeps saying over and over and over again, I lay down my life for the sheep. And what that means is that Jesus sees more value in your life and my life than what we see in our own life. Because the Creator came and died for the created. The shepherd came and died for the sheep. The reason why Jesus was willing to die is because the danger was real. The wolf was coming and we needed rescued. And so Christ came to lay down his life for us. See, life is what we need. And that's the, that's the crux of the gospel message. We have a debt that we owe because of our sin. All of us have sinned. We've done wrong. We've wronged others. We've wronged God. And because God is just, there has to be punishment for sin. He can't allow unrighteousness to rule. There has to be a legal standing. There has to be things made right when wrong is done. That death 
is the penalty for our sin, both physical and eternal. Physical on this earth, eternal in a place called hell. Death was the wolf. The grave is the wolf that is coming for every single one of us. However, Jesus being the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. The wolf was running at you and me. And instead of turning and allowing the wolf to take in after us, Jesus stepped in front of the wolf. He allowed wolf, the death, to attack him, to kill him. And in the process, his death paid our debt of sin. He paid the debt that you and I owed. Now, through faith in him, we can enter into his flock. We can have forgiveness of sins, hope of heaven. We can have this life and this protection that he was promising us in this passage. When you put your faith in Christ and you turn from your sins, there's freedom and there is hope. Jesus said, I've came that you may have life abundantly. He didn't come that we just might survive, but that we thrive. He restores everything that the enemy has tried to take from us. Anxiety starts to disappear. Our bodies are healed. Our faith is restored. That is the posture of humility of Christ manifested inside of us. Jesus tells us that the hired hand flees when danger is on the horizon. But Jesus is not a hired hand. He sees you and he sees me and he died for us.